Welcome. You're listening to the Bible Marathon Project, your one-stop class for learning Bible interpretation, defending your faith, using spiritual gifts, and building consistency in your devotion with God. We hope these sessions are a blessing to you as they have been to us. And without further ado, we say, welcome. Welcome to the year 2021, guys. Um, well, as you saw in the poster, page 2021. And I think a good way to start after we, we pray, it's just, let's, let's see what God actually says about New Year resolutions, you know? is Does God want us to plan? Does God want us to have New Year resolutions? You know, if yes, why? If no, why? So we're going to do that real short. And then I'll take the rest of time to share some beautiful thoughts with you on how to make 2021 different, all right? How to make it count. I'll... I'll um, also give some opportunities for us to contribute. All right. So let's be as engaged as possible. All right. Take notes. I took some time to build some content, but take notes, be interested in learning, make this time count. Okay. It's so important. All right. Let's just um, uh, jo- join in prayer. Uh, dear father, thank you so much for your love and your compassion. Thank you so much for, bringing us together because you always do this. You bring us together in fellowship with your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his sacrifice. We appreciate you for going all the way for us, oh God. And we are thankful. Thank you for Bible Marathon. Thank you for a new year. Thank you for all the plans that you have for us. Thank you for the growth that we're going to experience Thank you for the things you're going to take away from us. Thank you for the things you're going to give to us. Thank you for the strength and the ability that you've instilled in us by your spirit to go through this new year. We appreciate you, Lord. And we ask that even as we begin to look into your word this at this moment, that you would give us insights. You would give us enlightenment into your will. Because that's what matters. Only your will matters. Only what you are set out to do matters. That's what we want to be part of. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So 2020 was interesting. Different people had different plans. I'm sure most of you, it depends on what camp you belong to. There are the camps of, ah, you can't start the new year without new year resolutions or like, how would you, how do you want to do it? You must have a pay, a full, you know, A4 paper where you've written all your goals and all the things you want to accomplish and all of that. And then there are people who are like, who, who New Year resolution help? Like, it's just, just do the year as it comes, right? And so, like I said, we want to see what God's word says about it. But I think a very good place to start is to look at the scriptures, especially James. James is one of those people that, Somehow, I just, if if it wasn't just God's, you know, God trying to communicate stuff to us, we're not supposed to even have that book in the Bible. And I'll take some, <laughs> I'll take some time to explain why I said that. But it's very, very instructive. James is, you know, if, how many of you have that uncle or that, let me put it this way, how many of you have had maybe that parent or guardian that is always, it seems like they're out to get you. Like they just, 
it's they're just after you they just want to beat you flog you it seems like they don't care about you and you grow up later on to find out that all that discipline was very very you know useful in your life i hope you had someone like that in your life if you didn't well it's fine but james is one of those kind of people because he just goes straight to the point and he doesn't care how you feel but let's look at james chapter four and we see something very interesting about planning okay so um i'm reading from james chapter four from verse 13 all right let's use a better translation here something easier for everybody to follow this is james perspective he says now listen you who say tomorrow or today we will go to do this or that city or we'll go to this or that city spend a year here carry on business and make money follow his line of thought here he's telling you you that you plan <laughs> is what he's saying this is planning right here right today or tomorrow we'll go here i'll go there you do this i'll do business that's planning all right look at what he says in verse 14 he says why <laughs> you don't even know what will happen tomorrow what is your life you are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. It's the word of God we are reading, right? But we're going to get a fully balanced picture. So don't be in a hurry. Then he says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or do that. We will live and do this or do that, right? And then he says in verse 16, as it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil, all right? And we'll stop there. Um, basically, this, this uh, part of scripture is interesting because James is saying that there are people who, and that's why it's good to read in context, there are people who feel that in, their, in themselves or in their power or in their wisdom, they can decide what will happen or what will happen. But I think 2020 was a, was a very good example of this what do you guys think 2020 just shocked everybody you know people had plans i want to go to this this is the job i want to get i'm going to do this and that all of a sudden boom everybody's locked inside so imagine people who had plans to you know actually go out and do stuff that had to do with like i remember i have a friend here i bought a, a um, keyboard from because i play music and I found a guy on Facebook Marketplace. So he told me the price. It was really cheap. I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna waste this opportunity. So I ordered it, went to his place, and he was telling me like he had plans for the year. This was around like early 2020, around maybe like April, May or so. He was telling me about how he had plans, you know, gigs, different musical gigs that he was supposed to be a part of, and that he, you know. Was supposed to do all of that stuff, but because there were no gigs, nobody called him. He just had all these instruments in his house doing nothing, bringing no income. And he's like, that's why he's selling it off. And it, this, it just hit me, you know, it hit me that, you know, you can plan all you want, but there are certain things that are beyond your control. How many of you get what I'm saying? There are certain things that are beyond your control. And when you read this, you're like, okay, so the Bible says do not plan. No. Because that is not how to read the Bible. I've been teaching you a lot of things from last year about rightly dividing the word of truth, carrying all of God's word together. But what we see here is, hey, 
you must be conscious, which is what verse 15 is saying. You must be conscious of what God's will is. You get the point. So it's not about you not planning. Rather, it's about making sure that you are doing whatever you do with God's will in mind. So don't plan as though you are the maker of all things and the do, be all, know all. Plan as though you are someone who is submissive or submitted to a higher being who is your father, your God, but also is in charge of the universe. And so there is a will that is above yours. All right. That's very important to have in mind. Then let's go to Matthew. Everybody knows this one. Matthew chapter 6 uh, from his 24. Matthew 6, 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other. Um, okay, verse 25. Verse 25. <laughs> Daniel said, in the words of the great Nigerian philosopher, no one knows tomorrow. In fact, I think that lady is a, she's actually a philosopher. Her, her music shows that she, she thinks, you know. That's one of the things I love her for. Um, yeah, let's get back to the word of God. So don't worry about your life. So here we're seeing James in the other part. We're seeing James say, hey, don't, yeah, you can make plans, but don't think like you can do anything or change anything because of the plans you make, because there are, there are forces beyond your power. And then we see Jesus in Matthew saying, hey, don't worry about your life, what you eat or, and almost you're seeing the same idea of don't plan. So if you're reading this, that's what's coming to mind already. Like don't plan, just live your life. Just don't worry about anything. Just trust God, right? And then look at verse 25. That's where we were. Do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink or what you will wear. Is life not more important than food? Um, and the body more important than clothes? Look, Look at the birds of the air, you know, that's the whole thing. Then verse 27, I'm rushing through this real quick. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? So he's talking about, don't be anxious. Why are you worried? God has been feeding the, the animals, the birds, and he's clothing the grasses. Why would you be, you know, unsure of God's protection of you as well? And then, he gets to a point where he just comes to the end and says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, meaning seek God, his work, his will, his plan. You see, we're seeing that same theme, his own will and his righteousness, meaning desire the righteousness that comes from God, desire righteousness. And all these other things will be given to you as well. So we're seeing that and we're almost getting that idea of, you can live a very, very normal life and don't plan, don't have any plans, don't have any goals because you don't know what to happen. So why plan? But a good Bible student doesn't stop there. A good Bible student takes all of scripture. So you keep going and then you see something Jesus said in Luke chapter 14. And I want you guys to see this with me. Luke chapter 14. Jesus is talking about salvation here, all right? And then he goes ahead to talk about uh, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, his brother or sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Talking about, hey, you must love God more than you love any other person in your life. Not, not that he's saying you should hate your family. 
I've already explained this before. Verse 27 says, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And then he says in verse 28, alluding to an example, but he tells you something that if Jesus himself mentioned this, then this is a common sense idea that everyone in the world should function by. He says in verse 28, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? So Daniel says, ah, I want to build a house. And Daniel just you know, gathers all the money and he just starts. <laughs> no plan, no architectural design, nothing. Daniel, how do you want to build it? <laughs> so Jesus is basically saying that that's a stupid thing to do. In fact, he goes further to an example that people in their own context will understand. Right In verse 29, he continues this. He says, if you lay a foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees you will ridicule him, right? Everyone who sees what he's building will ridicule him. And then verse 20, verse 30, okay, sorry, verse 31. I like this example. He says, or oh, suppose a king, and I'm sure many of you will be able to relate to this probably because you watch a lot of movies and you watch all these like war, war, war movies or stuff like that. So suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down? He'll call his council. I remember, was it Merlin? How many of you have watched Merlin series? Yeah, something like this. So Uther comes and then he has this board and all these guys are there with all their knight's gowns, uh, not night gown, right? Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. And they're, you know, flowing gowns and then they're there. And then they are planning like, oh, can I? Can we actually take over, you know, this Camelot? Can we take over this city and stuff? And are we going to go out to fight? There's always planning involved. So he says here, will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? You you, Jesus is basically saying, once you count the cost, and though this is the whole context here is, hey, if you're going to follow Jesus, you must be ready. But then you see the example he's using here, and this is common sense. So I'm trying to bring out the fact that, hey, James is saying something that may seem like do not plan. But what he's saying is, hey, he's not saying do not plan. He's saying let God's will be your priority. So if you are planning, just know that anything can happen. (laughs) Anything can happen. So your plans will not make any difference if those things happen. What will stand is God's counsel, God's will. All right. And then we'll go a step further. Look at this. He says, if he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off. <laughs> the guy will respect himself. Ah, Omar, I can't fight this battle. So please, let's find a way to resolve. Let's have a peace agreement, peace accord. Then he says, you know, in the same way, any one of you will not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. And in fact, I don't want to water down this, this conversation here. There's a context, all right? That's not what we're talking about today, but I don't want to miss out on this. Anyone who says they want to be the disciples of Jesus Christ, just know that there is a cost to count. All right. There is there is a lot. We're not just talking about, oh, I fully, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. That's not the biblical idea. Following Jesus means taking on something. There's a cross to carry. And I'm going to hammer on this very, very shortly. Okay. 
in the main crux of why, what we're talking about today. But being a disciple of Jesus has implications. It has implications. All right. So and just to give us an idea that God actually does want us to plan. And this is just for people who think, you know, I've never been part of the New Year resolution gang. Now, I'm not teaching you make, to make New Year resolutions. I'm saying it's wise, it's logical, it's common sense to plan is what I'm saying. And so it's a good idea. Last year, I had plans. Um, I had this Microsoft Word document that I designed in 2018 that I just keep updating every year. So I just, it's on the cloud. So I just like pull it back. I say, okay, what do I want to do this year? And I have all these things. 2020, oh my God. In <laughs> January, I had some crazy plans I had written down for the year 2020. I couldn't achieve all of them because of the pandemic. But interestingly, because I wrote it down, I was way better than I would have been if I didn't write anything down. Who gets what I'm saying? So the idea that people have where they're like, oh, I, every year I've been doing this New Year resolution, but after January 23rd, I've stopped. And so that means it doesn't work. No, you just didn't do the right things. Um, there's a way to set plans. There's a way to set goals, but that's not what I'm teaching today. I'm not here to teach you this motivational, you know, 10 steps to plan to be effective in your life. Or in fact, there's a book I was reading recently, seven habits of highly effective people. You know, this is personal development. This is not anything for spiritual development, but this will reflect in how you do things, you know? So it's super important to discuss things like this. All right. So, Let's read uh, from the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. I'm going through this real quick because there's so much we have to discuss. And I, I apologize in advance. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say the nicest of things, but I'll be honest with you. And I'm hoping that God will do what he wants to do through the words I will speak. Okay, so um 2021 has to be different. 2021 has to be different. And I'll tell you how it would be different. Some of you already know where I'm going with this, but I will still take my time to explain. Look at what he says in Proverbs 9, 20, He says, many are the plans in a man's heart. So yes, there are plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that will prevail. That gives you an idea. Hey, God's will will still come to pass. We're dealing with a God that is all-powerful. And this is his world. He created all things. And you must not lose sight of that. All right? But you must understand that no matter what you might do in your power, your ability, with your own intellect or your own wisdom, and all your plans that pertain to you and your own self, things you want to achieve. I want to buy a car. I want to buy a house. I want to do that. Those things are beyond that. You can work for it, but there are certain things that are beyond your control. And so wisdom demands, Hey, instead of trying to do, you know, get God to bless what you're doing, do what God is blessing, which is a very, very important concept. But you see what uh, Proverbs is saying here. It's the Lord's purposes that will prevail. Um, Proverbs 21, verse 5. And th this one just tells you. So that's, that's the thing about God's word. It's especially when you look at the Proverbs. The Proverbs are just like instructive. 
this is how common sense people should should function you know um the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty in fact let me put this up in in um king james this one this one got my attention uh where is it is it king james or let's look at another let's look at um esv this one is so it's so 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 interesting um we're in a generation that a friend of mine called a microwave generation meaning we want things super fast we just want ah we want to blow we want so we hear about ideas business ideas that have we've not investigated and we just jump on them and because we want to get rich quickly we just run. This is what Proverbs is saying here, that the plans of the diligent, someone who takes time, effort, will surely lead to abundance. That's such a, an audacious statement to make. But history has shown to us that that's how it works. If you are diligent at what you are doing, if it is ordinary sachet water that you are doing and you are diligent with it, or you just started writing articles, but you decide to give it everything, the plans of the diligence will lead to abundance. Like there will be success in that area. But if you are just looking for how to be the next star, you want to just, you, you know, you, everyone that is hasty is what this proverb is saying. It says it comes only to poverty. Interesting. Let's read one more and then I'll go real quick to what we need to talk about today. Uh, Proverbs 24, verse 27. You know, Proverbs says, prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. In other words, there's a need for preparation, right? I think it's self-explanatory. There is need for preparation. So what have I said in all of these things? I've basically said that there is a balance. There's a balance here. If you are on this side where you're like, ah, I don't, New Year resolutions, I just trashed. I don't do New Year resolutions. I'm begging you that please consider the word of God, which says it's, it makes sense to plan. Now, if you're on this side where you're just like, I will have New Year resolutions, I need to make sense. And yes, just realize that <laughs> everything may not go according to your plan. You see, so that's, that's where, how God brings us back. God brings us back to a central point, which is, can you trust me with your plans so meaning you're going to make plans you're going to say this is what i want my my year to look like you will make plans knowing at the back of your mind that god will do what he pleases and so your wisdom is in finding what god wants and doing those things who gets what I'm saying so far? God has his plans. God has some things he wants to achieve on the earth. If you are just out and about trying to figure out, you know, what you want to achieve with your life, and you are so emph emphatic about this is how I want my life to be, this is where I, the car I want to drive when I'm so, so aged, and you are thinking that way, be ready for what the world will bring. And it's not going to be palatable. It's not going to be... Um, always it's not always going to go according to your plan but if you see god is doing stuff for example what is god doing in the earth right now god is making a name for himself through a lot of people 
He's bringing glory to his name. He's reaching out to the lost, right? He's really one, like one after the other, changing lives of people for his sake, for his name's sake. And so if you, if you pattern your life to align with his plan, not that go God, I need God to, I want to add God to my life and use God to achieve all these things that I want to do. Rather, you are saying, God, what are you doing? Let me align. You, that's automatic success. Because God is doing it already, it will be successful. Everything God says will always come to pass. So your wisdom is in just aligning to what God has said. And so that's a real challenge for you. I'm saying 2021, maybe 2020, you've done things your way. You've created plans that you did not even consult God about. You didn't get those ideas from God. You got them from, oh, I saw this guy on Instagram. I think my life should look like this. Or, oh, ah, at this age, all, all, everyone is doing this and that. So I feel like I should do this or that. And you didn't get God's idea, God's plan. That's why many people messed up the, the year. That's why it seemed like, oh, the year just went and you didn't achieve anything. Because you were trying to do things your own way. Remember that verse, a man plans in his heart, but God gives the answer. A man determines in his heart this is what he wants to do this is how he wants to live but god god's will will always come to pass so it's wisdom to join him all right so um saying all of that hope that made sense to you um we can really talk more about it if you need more specifics but i'm i'm speaking to a, a huge group so um i can't start going into specifics but i just want to share four thoughts of things that you must do I've basically gone ahead to say, what does God desire for the believer, right? What are the things that are already according to his will? So that I'm, I'm t- kind of taking the stress off you it's because some of you are already thinking, okay, and as I said, find what God is, God is doing and follow, set your plans according to what he's doing. I've taken the liberty to say, okay, what is God blessing? What is God after? And I've listed them out and we're going to talk on those things. Does that make sense? Was that, is that a good idea? Is that something good? All right. So I'm, I'm not the authority on everything. We have amazing people on this group. So if you have any contribution at any point, feel free to speak. Okay. Um, but I have some things here. I have biz- four points that I think if you do these things, 2021 will be amazing. And the year doesn't do anything in itself, right? It's just a number, 2021. If there was no party there was no happy new year. If there was no fanfare, fireworks, it would still be another day, another 24 hours. Nothing changed between December 31st and January 1st. Do you realize that? Nothing. Somewhere else, someone has never crossed over. And so like that, even that idea of crossover, <laughs> that idea of crossover is a mental construct. And so I, I've seen in my, in my short time in life, like people that are the most effective are those who are not so bothered about, oh, it's a new year. In fact, there are companies that they do a monthly assessment of what they, what they, of their work. So every, for them, a new year is a new month. There are other people that start their own new year in September. Some of you are working in companies like that. So it's not really about the day or the time. Um, but what it does give to you is, a, is an opportunity to start afresh. It gives you a blank slate, a mental blank slate that, okay, this year has gone. Everybody agrees that this is a new year. I can, I might as well just 
take advantage of it, use it to my advantage. And so that's what it is. And so I'm just going to show you some things that you can do in 2021 that will make it different. This is page 2021. It's like you've opened a new page is the idea I've been trying to communicate. All right. And there are guidelines to make it different. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, some churches, their new year is um, another month of the year. Okay, so good. Let's get started. So the first point is build capacity. That's the first thing, build capacity. What do I mean by build capacity? I'm saying, <sighs> let me let the word of God speak. Proverbs 24.10. Proverbs 24.10. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So there will always be a day of adversity. There will always be difficulties. You're going to come across people that will just make life miserable. Or you will face situations that will almost make everything tough. Everyone goes through tough times. We're living in a world that is cursed. I hope you know that. I don't have to explain. It's not anything mysterious. Adam sinned. Everything started going downwards, downward spiral. And so if you're hoping that this world will resolve itself, there will be no war anymore. It's not going to happen now until Christ comes. But as we are right now, it's going on a downward spiral. Everything is heading to destruction. Um, and just like Tammy said, another way to... Um, rephrase this verse is tough times don't last only tough people do you know if you faint in the in the day of adversity your strength is small and so i'm basically saying hey don't wish that the year will be better make up your mind to be better is what i'm saying make up your mind to be better to be different to be distinct to be unique like okay this is another opportunity for me to stand out in the areas of weaknesses. I want to make it different. I want to be stronger. I want to learn more. I want to do more. It's, it's a mindset to have. It's a mindset to have, and you've got to have it. Just make, make a decision to intelligently engineer your life is what I'm saying. Like you have the ability to say, that's one thing you can change. That's one thing. For example, you weren't speaking very well and you've, you've heard people speak so well. And you know, this is a good thing to do, to, to, you know, to do for yourself. Learn how to speak well. There are courses you can take. Some of you say, oh, I can't talk to people. Why can't you talk to people? I'm an introvert. Uh, excuse me, sir. There are introverts that are talking to thousands and thousands of people. So that's not an excuse. Go and build capacity. That's what I'm saying. So I've taken an assessment personally. I know areas that I need to improve on. By the way, I've not been speaking like this all my life and I'm not yet where I should be. I know I, I'm supposed to speak a lot better because if I'm going to reach thousands and hundreds of thousands of people for God's plan or God's, um, for God's purposes, I have to be able to reach a wider variety of people who must understand what I'm saying. I can't just say, oh, because my accent is thick. I'm just going to leave it like that. No, it's it needs work. I see the need for that and I improve on it. Some of you might have to just take your job more seriously. You may have the worst boss ever and you might actually be looking for a way out of that job, all right? Looking for other opportunities and that's fine. But while you're there, make yourself different, be distinct. 
there's so many examples in the scriptures that prove this idea and how the fact that they made them into the Bible tells you that God likes the idea. Daniel and the Hebrew boys went to a city that they had no relations with. They were basically strangers and foreigners in that land. The Bible says they were 10 times better than their peers. That's instructive. That's very instructive. If that could get its way into the book that is all about salvation, the book that has a purpose, you know, to teach about God's love, that made its way in there. It's important. It means that there is a place for personal development and it's a God idea that you can take yourself from where you are and improve on yourself. You can say January is the month I'm going to focus on this area. You get resources for that particular area and begin working on it and have measures to check that you've actually grown. And a lot of people, this, this is, uh, this is the reason you've not grown is that you are lazy. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I said, I'll be hitting a lot of people, but you're just lazy. You, you, you don't, you're not making any extra efforts than you should to be better. Like I saw you last year and then I see you this year and I can't really tell anything has changed. That's not good. One thing that treasure treasure may not even know this, but treasure told me something um, earlier last sometime last year though. It was like, Ernest, ah, guy, you've grown now. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he was reminding me of, you know, conversations we used to have and stuff like that and how I used to communicate. And he's like, you, you've grown. And I had to actually think. And I realized, oh, yes, it was actually a conscious thing. But I didn't know that, that people would see it, that it would be evident. I just thought, oh, I was doing it for myself um, and maybe ultimately for God's purposes. But it hit me like, oh, OK, someone can actually see it, you know giving more credence to a verse like 1 Timothy 4.15 that says your profiting will appear to all men. That's, that's huge. You can be better. Let me just give you like five seconds to just process what I just said because I know when I'm talking, 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 everything can just be coming. It may seem like a whole load of stuff, but I want you to just take five seconds, close your eyes and think and just think about that. This is not any new age stuff, please. This is just you thinking about what I'm saying. Just say, I can be better and really think it and, and realize that it's a truth. Guess what? Jesus was described as someone who grew in stature and in favor with God and with man. What do you think that verse means? Favor with God this is Jesus, so this is the son of God. <laughs> and he's, the Bible still says he grew in stature. That's physical appearance. So he, he grew. That's something that most of us cannot stop, right? Except those of us that have stopped growing taller. <laughs> God bless you guys. You're still loved by God. But everybody stops at some point, you know, in grow, like physical heights. But then there, there are other things, you know weight you can you can work on your body build and stuff but then he talks about favor with god and with man and that jesus grew in that what does that mean it means that in his relationship with people there was distinguishable growth and 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 don't lose the fact that jesus 
was God and just say, okay, because he was God, there was nothing he did to improve. No, Jesus read the scriptures. How many of you know what I'm saying? Jesus read the scriptures. Jesus was at the synagogue. He was with teachers of the law. So we see in Jesus' life, in his life, that there is room for improvement. And he was a carpenter. He did work. Like there are just a, a, a lot of things we see that points to this fact. And I've, I think I've held the scripture on the screen for too long. Sorry, I just realized it's been up there. But yeah, that's the point I'm trying to make. The first point is build capacity. Like let take every make every effort to intelligently engineer your life by God's spirit and by sheer effort. So it's not just going to be, I'm trusting God to do it. You have to take the step in that direction and you have to do it quickly because, and some of you, some of you have seen this on my status before I posted it. I said, don't waste your twenties. And most of you on this call right now are in your twenties. This is a defining period. It's, it's, it truly is. It's a defining period. This is where you are the strongest, most likely. This is where you are the most exposed to people of your own age group. And, you know, I was joking the other day. I was like, you know, for those people who are just worried and concerned that everybody's getting married and left and right and center, and you're like, ah, when is my own coming? I said, what were you expecting? Were you expecting that people of your same age group will not get married or what? Like, weren't you expecting that everybody's going to, at some point, make that marital commitment? But it doesn't mean that because everyone has made that commitment and you haven't, that there's any problem. There's, there's a problem. The point I was trying to emphasize is that, hey, things will still go on. This is the age. This is the age in your life, the period where you have to be very deliberate. I was speaking with Lillian. Um, uh, was it? It was yesterday, right? Yeah, and actually, it was Natalie. But we kind of hinted it when we went out to get some ice cream. Um, um, but she said something about how. Yeah, it was Natalie, um, my friend. She said. In America, for example, most people don't have that knowledge of make your 20s count. It's almost like just cruise through it, have fun, make friends, just chill, and then wait till like you're older and you have family, and then, yeah, you can get serious. But, you know, when she said it, I was like, are you serious? Like, is that how Amer the average American thinks? And she was like, yeah, most Americans think that. So they have to write books to cater to that. That, And I was like, oh, in Nigeria, really, um, like, we just know. Because of the way we are raised, our parents are already doing a very <laughs> amazing job of reminding us that we are getting old. So they just, even if they are not doing it the right way, they are either saying, uh -uh, your mates are getting married, you know, or they are saying other things that just, you know, push you to to want to do better uh, sometimes they do it the wrong way but the point is it's so important ministry the greatest ministry that happened in bible time was done by people of our age group do you realize that jesus was 30 years when he started ministry many of us are almost 30 so jesus wasn't old his disciples, history tells us that they were within, you know, teenage years to like 
you know, late 20s. That's, that's, that's a huge thing. And so if Jesus gave the Great Commission to 11 men who were young people, most likely our age group, then th- that, that tells you that, hey, this is when you should be doing stuff with your life. And so I'm, I'm emphasizing again, I'm begging, please make a conscious effort to build capacity. Don't be lazy. This is when you must feel tired the most. You should be, I should be hearing someone like, you know, Benita telling me, ah, Ernest, I'm just tired. I'm tired. I've been working so hard. I'm like, yes, they're doing the right thing. <laughs> this is when you should put your hand to the plow. This is when you should, you know, get your future settled. And it shouldn't be the other way around that you've wasted your twenties. You've gone partying, you've done all the, the things everybody is saying you should do. And then you reality hits you at 30 or 35, 40. And you're like, ah, I've wasted my, my, my youth. That shouldn't be your story. Um, and we're not saying, and I'm not saying you should glorify stress. Obviously, you should rest. You should have fun. But priorities is what I'm hammering on here. Prioritize. Know that your life is, um, is so precious to be wasted. Is, is this the point I'm trying to make? Second point is, Make a commitment to knowing God. Make a commitment to knowing God. That's the second point. And some of you are like, I know God. I know God. That's why I'm on this Bible study. I'm saying make a commitment. I'm reminding you to make a commitment to knowing God. And what does that look like? Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. This is Paul's declaration here. Paul says that I may know him, that's Jesus, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So I want to know everything that has to do with what raised Jesus from the dead. What does that mean for me that Jesus was raised from the dead in terms of, in terms of power, in terms of charismatic ministry? Like the fact that because Jesus was raised from the dead, I can do certain things for his glory. So I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know what that means when Jesus returns, that that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in me will raise me up as well. But he says, and I may share in his sufferings. So there is the power of his resurrection and there is the fellowship of his sufferings. There's, there's the power of his resurrection and there is the fellowship of his suffering. So while you are learning about all the things that God has done in Christ, the victories you've received, which are very legit and so important to have and understand, there is the fellowship of his sufferings. You must also know him to a point where you can relate to the sufferings that he encountered. What am I talking about? I mean, in the preaching of the gospel, in your relationship with other people, you must relate to the things Jesus related to. He was persecuted was hated by men you will be hated by men if you're going to follow jesus not everybody's going to like you but the point i'm making here is make a commitment to know god to know him to truly know him um and there's no other way to really know jesus than through the word of god and see I think this 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 is the most emphasized thing ever. But I think like if we don't take steps in the right direction, you will keep hearing this over and over again, and it will make no difference to you. For example, at the end of this now, many of you would still go back and never open your Bible until the next Sunday, and that's sad. 
That's very sad because God's idea is, hey, you get instructions and you act on it. This year is should be your year of the word. This should be the year that you spend the most time in God's word. Make a commitment. Make a plan. Make a plan. If it means reading the Bible through, you've never done it before. This is an opportunity to do it. It's so crucial to your growth. It's so crucial to actually knowing God. Don't be that person who comes to church and you're lifting your hands or you're maybe watching service virtually. You're lifting your hands and worshiping God and the lyrics are not in line with your life. Don't be that person. If if if, If you say, Lord, you are more precious to me than silver and gold, let it show in what you do every day. How? What's silver and gold? Money. Is God more important to you than money? Well, it will show in the kind of statements you make. Oh, I have, I have to be at my job. Oh, I, I don't think I, I couldn't make out time to study the Bible today because I had work. Then it means that work is more important to you. There's no other way to put it. There's, let's, not, let's, not cover, let's not cover up, all right? Let's be honest. God loves honesty. Like that's where everything starts. That's where change starts. Making a decision based on truth. You just just assess yourself right now. Just be honest. Okay, so this is where I am. I need certain level of spiritual growth and understanding. I haven't given enough time to the word. Some of us would be just keep complaining of we're struggling, we're struggling, we're struggling. This is the problem. Your priorities are not in the right things. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So put your, put your focus on the things that don't pass away. That's basically what I'm saying. So if it means consciously um, making a plan that will keep you studying the word every day. And when I say plan, it could be as simple as no matter what happens, by eight am depend i'm just giving an example this might not be your case because of your schedule and stuff At, by 8 am every day i will be reading my bible it's as simple as that and don't worry about well would you read that a plan can make can can fix that for you but the point is being the word of god the word of god is your security the word of god will guide you it will refine your mind it will it will fix you in ways that you could never fix yourself it will fix you in ways that no counselor anywhere could fix you. I'm serious. I'm speaking from the experience, even though this is not the area I have gained total mastery of, but it's, it's clearly God's will for us. Look at what he told, uh, Paul told um, Timothy, and I think it's very relevant to us today. First Timothy um, chapter four, verse 15, I think. Okay, let's read. Let's read from verse 13. I'm going to share my screen now. Are you guys following so far? Hope I'm not boring you. Hope you're you're um, gaining some value from this time. All right. So do you see the screen? All right, awesome. I need someone to unmute themselves. We're going to read from verse 13 to verse 15. Who's going to do that for me? Okay, you guys are excited today. Awesome. Go ahead, um, Ademola. 
Okay. So can you hear me? Yes, we can. So I read. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Verse 14. Neglect not the gift that is in that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Verse 15. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Yeah. So I'm going to go back again, and let's, let's break it down. You know, and, and thankfully, that's one of the things we're going to be doing this this year. So every Sunday is going to be dedicated to a particular area of focus. And from next next Sunday, we're going to go into Bible interpretation. All right. So we're going to learn how to interpret the Bible tips that because now I'm sure based on this teaching, you're making commitments now like, oh, I'm going to read the Bible and you need tools. You need to know how to understand what you're reading. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that next week. Um, so be excited for that. You know, invite your friends, any, anything of that sort. Here it says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Meaning, he's, he was going to come visit, but he's saying, till I come to visit you, Timothy, give attendance. What's the word? What does attendance mean? Attention. Let it take your attention. There are a lot of times that just the same way your favorite series takes your attention that you just came back from work and all of a sudden you're just thinking, ah, episode three, episode three, who knows what I'm talking about that, that I, I need to watch episode three. I need to watch episode four, that, that ginger, that, that feeling of that's what it means by attendance. Like it's catching your attention. That's what you need from God's word. And he says, give attendance to reading here. The context is public reading of the scriptures because that's what they had at the time. They would read publicly. And so he said, give attendance to that. And he said, to exhortation, to doctrine. To, so many people today say, ah, doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. Hey, that's your security. That's your life. Oh, that's, that's where it is. God wants you to know his will. And the meaning of his will is is captured in what we call doctrine, the teaching of God's word. And then he says, verse 14, don't neglect the gift that is in thee. So there is here, contextually, they had laid hands on Timothy. He had received something from God and he said, hey, don't, don't neglect it. So be, be attentive to what God has deposited in you. It's there's something there, stir it up, don't waste it. And then he goes on in verse 15 and says, meditate, meditate, think process spend time on these things give yourself wholly to it completely with all of your heart with all of your might give yourself wholly to them and your that your profiting may appear to all so there is there are three things here meditate that means spend time focusing on what matters his word his counsel his will and then give yourself wholly that means completely to it and then your profiting will appear it will show people will know that you've done some work is what he's saying. See, my, this is my desire, that I will look back, I'll come back to this group on a Sunday in the sixth month of this year. And I will look at Adana, Tobo, um, Buki, Oinda, Abi. Can I say everybody's name? I'll, I'll be able to look at everybody here and say, oh my God, you guys have grown. 
that's that would be my joy ugo that would be my joy like seeing you actually seeing this thing profiting some of you would have started your own personal ministries reaching to people you never thought it was possible right now you're even like eh ns what are you saying personal ministry ah i know where i am no you won't be here you won't be here by that time and that's something that i'm passionate about that's what i pray for you know because if this platform is supposed to do anything in your life it's not supposed to replace the church it's supposed to equip you in a, in a supplemental way so that the things that you should know and you should be doing you are doing it i'm not a pastor that's not my role I know what God has given me to do and I want to do it diligently. And I want to see fruits from you guys. I want to see fruits. And this is my way of also saying, hey, if you don't don't miss any Sunday except you don't have a choice. Please. Everything is systematically designed to ensure that nothing is left out. We're going to have people there are already some people on the queue on the line that must speak to you. People I respect and honor and they've said oh, I would love to to speak here. Who knows? My pastor might show up here. So I just really want you guys to be, um, yeah, Daniel is doing, ooh, okay. Huh. This is to tap into grace. Okay. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that, hey, this is super. This is the year to know God. And to know him, you must know his word in depthly. All right. The third point is, and this one, see, I'm going to tear the veil Right now, I'm going to tear the veil and I want you to listen to me because this is an area that everybody here has a form of struggle or responsibility in. And I want to be emphatic here. So listen to me and take the instruction. All right. Point three is flee sexual immorality. Flee sexual immorality. This is not my instruction. This is, in fact, I'll show you. Let me know this time. Let's go to the scriptures. First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter six. And we're going to read from verse. Let's read from verse 16. There is, there is something going on here. You know, there was a context here, but I really want you to still get it. So he says, what? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body. For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Spirit is one, that is joined unto the Lord is one Spirit. Verse 18, flee fornication. Flee. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sinned against his own body. And then verse 19, what? See, I just want you to envision what is going on in Paul's mind here. Paul is saying, what? Like, like how? What are you people doing? Are you, are you unaware of the implications of this? How heavy, how serious this is? Verse 18, he says, any man that you sin, any sin that you do outside or without the body, there's a, dif- there's a difference between that and one who commits fornication because that one is sinning against his own body. And then verse 19 says, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God and ye are not your own. I'm saying this, this now because 
one of the things the devil is trying to do right now, if you are blind, you can still see it. What the, what the devil is trying to do now is to destroy lives in the most subtle way, in the most subtle way possible. Like he, he, has, he has been in this job for how many years now? How long has the world been in existence for? He's been, he's been here. He's been learning. He's been seeing that there are people who he has easily pulled down from this, in this area. And he says, okay, I'm going to make it even more difficult. In fact, it has come to a point where fleeing from fornication almost seems impossible because even when you, wherever you flee to, there is something suggesting to you that it's normal. It's fine. It's okay. We live in a time where the idea of not having sex before marriage is like, what are you saying? And, and I'm speaking to him. It may seem like, oh, Ernest is speaking to the choir, but that's not the reality. That's not the reality. And I'm, I'm just here saying to you, this is when you need to be fully vulnerable to God, fully vulnerable. Let God start the work in you. You don't want it to get to a point where you cannot deal with this issue. And nobody can tell me honestly that they're not having any battle or struggle in this area. Now, there are people who are not fighting at all. That's a problem. In fact, the Bible puts people in that category of they're not even warring against the flesh. They're not making any efforts. You know, the Bible categorizes them as reprobate. Like the Bible literally calls them unsaved. There's no other way to paint. Let me show you before you guys, <laughs> before you guys say that. What is this guy saying? Let me first show you this verse. First Corinthians 10. Paul was talking to, and, and by the way, First Corinthians was written to a very, 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 very corrupt church. And those two words should not go together. Corrupt church. Because the church is the precious called out ones of God. But there was serious corruption. In chapter 5, Paul was like, there's a guy in here who is sleeping with his stepmother and he's doing it openly and nobody's rebuking him. And he says... Send that guy over to Satan. Like, give him off to Satan. That's his dad. Throw him out of the church. Because he said, and he says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Meaning, if that guy is a part of you, it can so affect your fellowship. This is a big deal, guys. This is a huge deal. Look at verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 8. I mean, it was repeated so many times because it's, a, it's an issue. Then and now. Verse 8 says, neither let us commit fornication. And some of you might lose the, 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 the meaning of that word. So I'm going to use the HCSB. He says, let us not commit sexual immorality. So it's, the, the Greek word is pornea. It's the word you get the word pornography from. It's the word you get the word porn from. It's the word you get other forms of sexual perversion from. So when Paul is saying flee from sexual immorality, he's not just talking about a guy sleeping with a girl before marriage. He's talking about every form of sexual perversion that is different from God's design, which is sex between opposite sex in marriage. 
I'm saying it again. God's design is sexual, pure, beautiful, amazing, spicy, powerful sexual intercourse in the context of marriage. It should be enjoyed. It should be, it should be a beautiful thing. But in the context of marriage, that's how God has designed it because there must be commitment to this gift. And so the point is here, he's saying, let us not commit sexual immorality. So any form, any form of that stuff, as some did, and he said in a single day, 23,000 people fell dead. This is a verse in the Old Testament. I would need someone to go help me find it now, but it's referring to Phineas. There's a guy in the Old Testament called Phineas. Um, and Phineas, please pay attention. I know you guys are laughing, but this is serious business. And I know I'm making you laugh too, but I'm, I'm serious here. I'm very serious here. There's a guy in the Old Testament called Phineas, and um, the Bible says that there was sexual. I think he was there was there was um, sexual intercourse happening in. Man, I have to go back and read this this story. But the main point of the story was Phineas takes a spear. All right, and he stabs both of them in the act. It goes through one guy and goes comes out from the other person, and that was what stopped the killing of. Of people because people were dying. In fact, let me find this story because it's so important that you read it. And one thing we learned: the Bible says it's Numbers twenty-five. Numbers twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. One of these, one of the things I'll teach you in Bible interpretation is the Old Testament gives us an idea of how God feels about stuff. Sorry, twenty-one. Twenty-one. Yeah. Okay. The Old Testament gives us an idea of what, how God feels about sin. In the New Testament, it may seem like, ah, ah, nothing is happening. People are doing bad stuff. Nobody's dying. That's because Jesus has come and has borne the wrath of God. He has borne the wrath of God in its fullest measure. So that's why there is, there is grace. But in the Old Testament, everything you see with the destruction of people, with the killing of people, it just shows you how powerful and how how heavy God's wrath is and how how terribly bad sin is. Look at this. Uh, Numbers 21. It's 25 actually. 25. Okay. Because that looks yeah, 25 different. from verse 6. Okay. Let's read this story. All right. So let's go together real quick. All right. It says an Israelite. So Numbers 25 verse six, an Israelite man came bringing a Midianite woman to his relatives in the sight of Moses and the whole Israel community while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest saw this, he got up from the assembly and took a spear in his hand, followed the Israelite man to the tent. There's, there's a backstory here. Um, that we started from verse six, but there is, okay, let's continue. They followed the Israelite man into the tent and drove it through the, both the Israelite man and the woman through her belly. Then the plague on the Israelites was stopped. In other words, there was a plague and look at it, it says, but those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. So that's what Paul was referring to in, 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 um, First Corinthians chapter 10, that because there was sexual immorality going on, there was a plague that was 
killing people, the Israelites. And then it was one man that took a spear and stabbed these people. And immediately he did that, the plague stopped. And what I'm saying to you guys is, the way to deal with this issue of sexual immorality is to take a spear and stab it. See, it's a war. I'm, I don't know how serious I can paint this to you guys. If you are not killing sin, sin will be killing you. That's what Owen said. If you are not killing sin. If you're a Christian, your job as a Christian is to be mortifying, mortifying the deeds of the body. That's your, that's your job. Your job description is that of the mortician. God has made you righteous in God, in Christ, giving you a new nature, giving you new desires, and has given you a spear. Maybe you didn't know that, that you can use to stab every sexual immorality in your life. And so it's going to take work. Some of you have been plagued by habits. Maybe you watch pornography and you just, you get to that point of, oh my God, I don't know what to do anymore. How do I get rid of this? How can I stop this? You know, or it could, for some other people, it could be actual sex. You're having sex with people and God's message to you is very simple. You are not helpless if you're a believer. I've given you the power and the authority to deal with this issue. And you must take a step and a stand on it. That's what he's saying. Because interestingly, huh, this thing is very, very bad. This thing is very bad. Interestingly, when you, huh, devil is super smart. When he can get you in this area, there will be other areas in your life that will suffer. It's not one thing. Look at David's life. Just one. One, what, what people would call a one-night stand with Bathsheba messed up the rest of his generation. And so maybe now you're just thinking, oh, it's fun. I can't help it. I might as well not fight. Hey. The Bible gives us the picture of reprobacy, that you can commit sin to a point. And this is where some people are like, wait, though, I know we're saved by grace through faith, but like, what are you saying? Are you saying we can lose our salvation? I'm saying the Bible says that you can get to a point that you would allow sin to so live and abide and enjoy its place in your life that there will be no place for God anymore. And there'll be no place for repentance. That's, this is Hebrews. You studied Hebrews with me. I'm not forming these things up. I'm not making it up. Hebrews 3 talk, talks about where is body, where is house, if we hold fast to the hope. And the only way to hold fast to the hope is to hold fast to the truth of the gospel. Is to hold fast to the truth of the gospel that says that you can live a life that is pure of sexual immorality. The Bible says in, in um, Titus chapter two from verse 11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It says, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Would it interest you to know that worldly lusts there also ap appeals to this topic of sexual immorality? You can say no. So if you feel like you can't, there's just, there's a problem. And it's, you know where the problem is? It's in point two. You've not spent enough time in God's word. You've not 
agreed with God's plan for your life, which is, hey, you can stay sexually pure. Second, uh, First Thessalonians, I want to give you enough scriptures here. First Thessalonians comes to mind. Um, chapter four. Yeah. Look at First uh, Thessalonians chapter four from verse one. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. He says, finally then, brothers, and by extension, sisters, because he was writing to everybody there. He says, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you must walk and please God, and, and as you're so doing, do so even more. Verse 2. For you know what commands we give you through the Lord Jesus. What commands did he give? Verse 3. To show you how important this is that he, he takes it as a whole command. He says, for this is God's will, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. How many times would you repeat this thing? It's so important. This can be the end of your life if you don't deal with this thing now. If you don't deal with it now, if you don't have structures in place, if you don't have accountability, if you don't battle this thing and say, hey, I know who I am in Christ. I'm dead to sin, alive to God, and I can deal with this. I can mortify the deeds of the body. And everybody, you can, you can, nod, you can nod your head now. You can look like, you know, but I want you to take this information back and think about this. This is serious. This has been... This has, this has become the end of the, a lot of people's ministry. Like everything else is going fine, but because they didn't deal with this area, everything they've worked for just comes down flat. So I'm begging, I'm begging. And maybe this is like, how is this a, one of the ways to make 2021 a great year? Trust me, it is. Because when you regain your strength in this area, you will find out that you would live with self-control like never before. Not everything will appeal to you. Maybe you found that you're weak and you're just following everything that comes. It's because of this thing. You have allowed this thing to seep in. There is no self-control anymore. You cannot resist it. And because you can't resist it, it goes into your marriage. You're thinking, oh, I get, I'll get married. All of this will be solved. It will amplify it times 10. It will mess up your relationship with other people. You will not view women or men the same. It's, it's, a, it's a virus. It's a virus. And so you have to get this attitude that God paints here. He says, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain, abstain, stay away from it, no matter the cost. This is something Jesus himself, after saying, if your eye causes you to sin, and so people don't know the context of that. A few verses before, what did he say? He said, he that lost after a woman in his heart has already committed adultery. He tells you what Jesus was already thinking about. And then he says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Is Jesus telling you to be a, what's that? What's the word? Is he telling you to become an amputee where you cut off your hand and, don't have or pluck out your eye and become blind. Yes. You're thinking I would say no. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. That it is so serious that it means you will let go of certain things. 
you will pluck out your eyes. If it means you are going to delete an app, delete it. Like, it's a war. You are fighting. You are fighting. It's not going to come easy. There'll be days you'll be like, ah, no, no. Ah, no, you walk around your room. <laughs> you walk, you, you keep proclaiming, no, this is who I am in Christ. No, I'm not going to think those thoughts. It's a battle. In fact, people should think you are crazy with the kind of structure you put in place. Because when you get free from here and you've learned how to possess your own vessel, that's when you would start to see a lot of things happen in your life. I'm telling you. You would see a, a, a dimension of God that you wouldn't have seen because this thing created such a gap or a, 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 a sever between you and pure faithful communion with God. Like in pure, when it comes to sexual immorality, it's a very, very, it's a, it's a very terrible thing that you have to deal with. Look at the last verse there, verse four. It says, so that each of you knows how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not with lustful desires as the Gentiles who don't know God. Meaning this is what the people of the world do with ease. They can go out, they can drink, they can have one night stands, but not you. You cannot. You must not. They should look at you and see light. And say, I wish I could be like this person. But they can't because they don't have the ability that you have in God. And then you tell them, hey, you can be free from this in Christ with the ability of the spirit. That's, that's what I'm saying to you guys. This is so important. Super important. This is super, super important. God has not called us to impurity, but to sanctification. Amen. The last point is... Commit to prayer. Commit to prayer. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible. Pray every day if you want to grow. If you want to grow, I would, by extension, add, if you want to live the Christian life, you must do that. It's so important. So commit to prayer. Make it's a point of duty to pray every day. Make it your life's like when do you know that if you don't pray every day, do you know what it shows to God? It shows that you are proud. That's what it does. Let me explain why. You are basically saying, I can handle my life because prayer is an act of submission. Prayer is an act of showing that, hey, God, you matter. You're important to me. And so if I'm going to do anything, I'll consult you first. And so if you're not doing that, if you're not showing that God is important to you by praying, give spending time in prayer, spending time in devotion, then you're basically showing him that you're proud. You can take care of your life for yourself. Is that not what the world does? Is that not how the world thinks? That's how they think. And so if you decide this year that you will pray, that you will spend time in prayer, that you will make it a conscious duty to pray. And when I say pray, I mean you pray every way you can. Pray your understanding, pray in the spirit, pray uh, for people, intercede, petition, supplications, all the kinds of prayers that the Bible speaks about. Commune with the Father. That's where your strength lies. 
in fact, if, if one area of your weakness is sexual immorality, the Bible tells you a way out there and it's in prayer. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Jesus said, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Prayer is that powerful. All right. Prayer is that powerful. And I'm seeing that there are people on Mixlr. Let me just um, see if I've missed anything. Okay. Thank you guys for putting the scriptures over there. You're amazing. I want you guys to make a commitment together with me. And this is the commitment that you will make 2021 count in these four areas. That's the commitment. I'm, it's, it's, you, maybe you have your own way already of doing this. That's beautiful. But as much as possible, as a group in Bible Marathon, we'll create the structure to make sure that this happens. All right. Build capacity. We'll make sure that you have the resources you require to build capacity. Um, we'll encourage one another. I love what happened. Was it yesterday or two days ago where Treasure, you know, has a phone call with a few people, you know, outside of the platform. Like it was just, I think Ugo was there. Tamler was there. Um, Matthias, uh, who else? Just a few people that were on that call. Because the thing is, we've got to commune with one another. It's it's in fellowship that there is strength. It's in community that there, that there is strength. You don't want to be away from believers. If you're thinking, oh, you will live your Christian life by yourself, you'll figure it out, you will tear. And for those who don't know what tear means, you will stay there. You will tarry. <laughs> you will tarry. You will wait. Because God's design for your growth is the community of the church, is the body of believers, who each and every one of us, we are flawed in a way. Don't feel like we are perfect. Hey, this guy you're talking to, I'm fighting every day. But I'm fighting. That's what matters. And that's what brings us together. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's in the fighting. It's an, we're an army. We have the tools. We have the equipment. We have everything. But we can't go to battle alone. We help each other to fight. That's how we defeat the enemy. And so don't take community for granted this year. Make a commitment that you will build capacity. You will commit to knowing God. You will flee sexual immorality. You will pray. And you will have your best 2021. If you do those four things, everything will line up. Maybe you had plans for your workplace. You had plans for career. You had plans and all of those things. It's in all these, it's in knowing God and prayer that you will get direction for those things. So you're not losing in any way. All right. So that's where I'm going to stop here. I want to get some feedback from a few people just before we go. Um, today was, I know it was more didactic. It was like NS's teaching, but I feel this is the best way to start the year with instructions because um, that's how God wants us to live. If God wants to set people free or wants to do something with people, he gives them instructions. That's how, that's how it should work. And I'm just following that um, pattern. So any, any thoughts? Does anyone, anyone want to add anything at this point? Okay, I have a question. Yes, please. Okay. Um, in point one, where you said the capacity to work on yourself and have major check. So do you have, um, can you give us uh, examples of what measures that can you check? Uh, so if I didn't get that 
clearly. You said what measures you can take to build capacity. Is that what you said? Oh, to measure, to check how much you've grown. Honestly, if Treasure didn't tell me, and maybe a few of my other friends didn't tell me that I had grown, I would probably not have known as much. Um, but Ayo, do you want to add something? Yeah. I think um, even before um, looking to measure how much you've grown, it's setting goals um, mm-hmm. to like setting, maybe you want to um, know, you want to get better in um, public speaking, for example, mm-hmm. um, going outside of the scriptural. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you want to get better in public speaking. Okay, your goal is to be able to speak to 10 people without stammering or without feeling nervous. Um, by the time you get to that point, you know that you have grown. Mm. That's a way to measure because you have set a goal before. If there was no goal, um, if there was no goal to get to that point, you kind of don't know. And that's when people are growing, but like they don't really know. They don't like, they don't see it in themselves. And that's another part we have to grow in. And actually just like hyping ourselves up, you know, of course, within reason, um, right? And knowing that, okay, this is these are the things, steps that I've taken and I have grown in this area. If your goal is to um, be able to, teach the word um, to other people accurately. Um, um, of course, you have to study the word. You're going, you'll be to, okay, I'm going to study the word. I'm going to know how to teach myself, tell myself accurately and um, articulately as well. And then I'm going to go out of my way and look for people who need uh, more understanding of the word and teach them. That way, in the space of six months, you've been able to accurately divide the scripture and you've been able to teach other people that way you know that you've grown and then someone who hasn't seen you in six months can see you and you're like wow you taught the word so well i haven't i didn't you've grown right but you by yourself you already know that because you had set goals Mm -hmm. in the first place goals to show that you've grown so you have something to attain to instead of just um just growing without any any like um parameters as well okay i saw abby's hand up thank you so much Aya. that was beautiful Oh yeah, I did have my hand raised up, but Aya kind of already said. Um, okay, awesome. Let's see. Awesome. Um, well, um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to say that regarding um, like looking for how would you know if you've grown um, when it comes to spiritual things, I think like when it comes to prayer time, you when you no longer start making excuses, like oh I'm busy, but when you actually consciously do take prayer seriously when you want to read your bible and you feel a lot energized and encouraged to open your bible to read it'll be different from when you initially made the commitment and you're kind of dragging your feet but over time you'd realize oh i don't actually have to have someone call me and say did you read your bible today so you'd know that you have over time built a consistent commitment when it comes to reading your bible when it comes to attending prayers you no longer make excuses for oh i was busy or um, something happened, I couldn't make it. And I guess that's how you know that you're in a place where you have built consistency. Yeah. You can do it without having someone call you all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to add to that is that you're even helping people do the same. That's even a powerful measure. I think that's how I could tell personally that I had grown. The fact that I could teach others to do what I'm doing, you know, and still learn. And I think one one good thing to add to that is when you make goals, make progress goals, not pass or fail goals. Right? Don't make goals that if you didn't do it, you failed. 
and because those things can be discouraging, make progress goals. So, you know, things that show goals that are progressive, pros, um, goals that you can't fail at, you know, that's, I think that's the kind of thing I, I said. So before I used to set, read 35 books. I've never, I never, never done it. <laughs> but I changed the goal from pass and fail to a more progressive goal. Like, hey, I'm going to make sure I read daily. You see? So any day I miss out on, even though it feels like I failed, but it's a progress. Okay, next day, next day, I must catch up on that. So something like that. And that's I think that's something that I and Abby have appealed to. Um, any other thoughts? Real quick, we can only take, uh, okay, I see Tobo's hand. We'll only take uh, two more minutes. All right, go ahead. Yeah, so um, another way is to like, get uh, um, like accountability partners, particularly with Maria now. Um, who are doing what you do, and you say, okay, they'll be like, oh, um, you've gotten better at this. Um, I didn't expect you to get better at this at this particular rate. And you know that, oh, okay, this person has done what you're doing, and if it's coming from him, then you are in a better place. So definitely you're doing something right. So that's on that way. Uh, for me, in terms of um, Bible study, I've, I, I, I've been slacking. I'm not going to lie, but it's one of my goals this year to like get better. So I try to make up Bible plans on my Bible app. Mm-hmm. So, and I try to invite friends to, to join me on it. And with BMG, it's been awesome with you guys. Whenever I get to join it, and I want to continue to be consistent in that area. So, yeah. So, awesome. um, mentors who are you accountable to, and you will, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could have said that better. Accountability is almost everything when it comes to, to growth. So, that's that's really good. Thank you so much, guys. Um, Dennis, Dennis, I did hear treasure. Oh, you see, I was about to call you. Please talk. Like, um, so I have a, I have a serious question from everything you said. <laughs> I have actually various questions, but I think um, I have just this major one I want to pass across. Um, you talked about sexual immorality to a very large extent. Mm-hmm. You talked about. Um, the need to fight these things and all. So my question goes toss. Um, one of the ways by which we could or could be seen as being able to handle or fight some of these um, ills and stuff is by having, as um, Tobo has already mentioned, accountability partners. Mm-hmm. But what if you have a case? Because this is actually the issue with a lot of people. Really. The issue is not um, not knowing and they have this problem. The issue is coming out to say that they have this problem. Mm-hmm. How do you address that issue? The issue here, what I mean is, who exactly can I trust? Mm-hmm. How am I sure that, or a lot of people have things that they've done in their past, even on this group, right. very true. You don't have to say you're the one or you're not the one, but mm-hmm. even on this group as we are, I am so sure that a lot of people have baggages, a lot of baggages. Yeah. So how do you encourage right, yeah. people to come out and say, okay, this is actually what I have been going through and I actually require help? Mm-hmm. And then up, um, the next leg is, is it wrong as a Christian to go to rehab if you have a serious issue and you've tried battling this issue and it seems like nothing is working? Is it mm-hmm. problematic for someone like that to go to rehab? 
Okay, nice. Because I've heard people say things like, yeah, that's the last one. I've heard people say things like, um, um, if you go to rehab, it passes a wrong message Mm -hmm. uh, that you could not be able to battle these things. It gives the message of you're not strong enough or the grace of God is not sufficient enough to be able to battle all these things. Mm -hmm. So those are my two questions. How do you encourage people to come out when they have a lot of baggage? And Mm -hmm. then is it wrong as a Christian to go to rehab? Okay. Um, I, I mean, I have a very simple answer. The second one is no. The second one is no. Um, therapy is always helpful. Um, a lot of these things have connections. They have neurological connections um, and they build up resistance over time. Like, for example, an issue like pornography, it starts first as something that builds up you know, resistance against stopping it, just like people who take drugs and all of that stuff. And so there are a lot of things that even need to be done mentally and from people who are trained in that area. So I do not disregard that, but I I place God's power above that. And I don't say, hey, do this or the other. I say, hey, marry those together. And that will lead to the, the first point, which is we're already trying to do that on this platform and treasure would have an idea already. Daniel will have an idea of some things we're trying to do this year. Um, one of those would be vulnerability Sundays. We are trying to see how we'll do that in the most helpful way possible that would give people a safe space to be honest and truthful about what they struggle with, knowing that all of us have our struggles in some form or another. And so that would help to bring it out because God's idea is to expose sin in the light. God wants us to expose it. So we're going to do that. We have plans for that, but I don't want to keep us too long on this um, meeting, but that's how I'd answer that question. And you know about this. I think treasure just kind of wanted me to um, say to you that, Hey, this year one there's going to be a Sunday dedicated to, you know, having smaller groups where we meet with, um, in smaller groups, ladies together, guys together, really small groups where we would be as vulnerable because that's where the strength is. And and we're going to look for a way we can do this that it does not cause, you know, I can't tr- I can't just you know trust everybody to be um, to be able to handle certain information. So um, yeah, I'm praying and I'm trying to get wisdom on that. If anyone has an idea on how to achieve this, where we can get people to be you know, completely vulnerable and we would pray for one another just the way the Bible teaches us to. And we would see everyone come out of whatever it is they're struggling with. Not everybody is, believe it or not, not everybody is struggling with the same things you're struggling with, right? Some don't even have a serious issue with sexual immorality. Um, Others do. So um, having that in mind, we're going to have to think, um, carefully of this so one-on-one is a structure we're looking at but the question still remains who, is, who are the one-on-one who are the people so yeah it's complicated but you know if you have any wisdom on this reach out to me personally i'm reaching out to some of my mentors on how best to go about this so yeah that's it and please i'm saying this ahead of time please if you have anything that is bothering you this is a family reach out reach out don't keep things to yourself it's not going to help we reach out we are here we pray for one another and if you are reached out to please pray with that person that's your responsibility prayer i'm not saying go and do counseling 
and you don't have training for it, prayer, you have that's what you have. And then when you don't know the answer, go to who has the answer. All right, please. All right, guys, I love you so much. Let's just say a short prayer and then I'll let you go. Sorry for the extra 10 minutes. Dear Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for the instructions you've given to us that we should commit to knowing you. We should give time to prayer. We should be very, very intentional in building capacity and that we should flee and run from every form of sexual immorality. And Lord, we receive strength and grace to do all these things. We know that 2021 in itself is not a different year. We will be the different ones. And Lord, we've committed this evening to live lives that will please you. You are the goal. You are the object of our desire. Help us to do all these things, Lord. It's by your grace alone, by your strength and your working in us that we'll see it come to pass. And Lord, we ask that the zeal of the Lord will consume us. The zeal of the Lord will consume us to do all these things that you've planned. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this recording. We hope this session was a blessing to you as it was for us. If you'd like to be an active part of Bible Marathon, maybe join in live on our Sunday sessions, be part of the WhatsApp group, or would just like to know more about the Bible Marathon project, visit our website bit.ly slash bmglive4 for more details. That's bit.ly slash bmglive4 for more details. We pray you stay blessed, experiencing progress and joy in your faith.